Hey everyone, welcome to episode 119 of This Week in Marketing Show, also known as the Twim Show. This is your host, Sajid Islam. Today I'll be going over the notable news and updates in the digital marketing space from the week of July 25th, 25th through 29th, 2022. With that, let's start off with some uh, not so great news. It's that Shopify has announced that they're laying off 10% of their workforce. Their CEO, Tobias Lutke, uh, kind of announced during their earnings call, like, hey, we're going to let go of 10% of our workforce because, you know, we overestimated or he overestimated, you know, what the world will look like after the pandemic. And he realized that e-commerce is not going to take off the way he thought it will be. People prefer still in-person stores. Um, So they're doing a layoff now. It's not a great news. Why am I covering in this news is in this podcast is that, you know, we should always keep in mind that we should not always focus on e-com, 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 uh, in-store, offline does play a role uh, in the world of small business. Not to say, you know, hey, if you don't have a storefront, you are going to miss out. It's just that Shopify is in a different game right? Uh, Shopify is in a different game, but Shopify, um, it's, it, I think they overinvested and they're just using the economy and all those things as a way to kind of, you know, cut back. That's all I can say. Let's move on. The other, in the other news, Instagram backtracks and basically keeping Instagram as Instagram for now after a backlash where, you know, basically Instagram was trying to basically make Instagram look like more TikTok. Uh, last week we covered he, that Instagram is going to make every video into a reel. Every video under 15 minutes is going to become a reel. Uh, Instagram was going to go into full screen. Obviously, the Kardashians and along with hundreds and thousands of people basically said, hey, Instagram, keep Instagram as Instagram. We love the photo sharing. We don't want a complete knockoff or copycat of TikTok. With that says, Adam Masseri, CEO of Instagram, came out and says, you know what, we're going to backtrack for now. We're going to figure out what we're going to do. But for now, Instagram remains to be Instagram. Uh, Having said that, I think they're not backtracking from the fact that, you know, any video uploaded um, into Instagram, any video, any video that's less than 15 minutes will become a Reels. That stays in place. Let's talk about the revenue roundup. Uh, this is that time of the year. So we have revenue updates from Microsoft, Google, and Meta. Uh, Microsoft ad revenue has decreased by about 100 million due to reductions in ad spend. Huh. You could just say, hey, the recession is just, uh, the inflation just went up. The recession, we are technically in recession, but not even the government has announced it yet. Already Microsoft has felt the pinch. Uh, but LinkedIn's revenue is up by 26%. LinkedIn's engagement is up by 22%. Alphabet, the parent company of Google, their revenue has increased by 13% to 13% year over year to 69.7 billion. Last year, it was 60, 61.9 billion. So they have really increased their revenue. Uh, Google's ad revenue is up to 56.3 billion with a B. Last year it was 50.4. Uh, YouTube's revenue is 7.3 billion. Uh, last year it was 7 billion. So overall, 
Google's revenue has gone up, Alphabet's revenue has go, uh, gone up, but uh, Microsoft advertising has taken a hit, even though LinkedIn has um, increased their revenue. Meta, which is basically the parent company of Facebook, their revenue dropped by 1%. Uh, not a big deal. Basically, instead of uh, making 28.94 billion, they were supposed to do that, they made 28.82 billion right uh, and right now there are about 2 billion people using facebook instagram whatsapp per day so basically they're actually this is like facebook's daily active users facebook's daily active users is 1.97 billion not the combined so this is pretty big number people are using facebook quite a bit it's just that the revenue are not where it used to be uh, it's facing some headwinds obviously because i think a lot of the small businesses are not making as much money on the facebook ad platform as they used to because the cost of ad has gone up with that let's move on to an update from linkedin linkedin has basically launched a native carousel post gone are the days where we, we would have to find workarounds and upload pdf so that you know that can be uh, used as a carousel post now linkedin allows you to update a, a carousel post if you do not know what carousel posts are it's a multi-image post where you have multiple images and you can swipe through it uh, and see the image Pinterest, in the meantime, has launched a real-time analytics in their mobile app where, you know, you'd be able to see the performance of any given pins at, at any given time. This is similar to what Google Analytics has in real-time. You can see, you know, who's visiting your site, where they're visiting from site, things like that. I wish... Facebook had something like that in Facebook real-time analytics, but even if they did, I do not know how we're going to use it. For example, if our ad account was blocked, are we going to get the data? Facebook is basically a mess, is all I can say. Again, I don't want to get on a, on that Facebook you know, bashings train. All I just want to say is this, this is a great update from Pinterest. I hope other platform kind of takes uh, queue and find something else to report to us in real time to see how our posts and engagements and things are like doing. Having from there, let's move into Google. Google has extended the deadline for third-party cookies, which is basically the tracking cookies to 2024. Google is saying, you know, the privacy sandbox that they're calling it the privacy sandbox. A lot of uh, advertisers are complaining that we are not there yet and they thought you know retiring it in about a year's time 2023 would be too soon too quick of a change so google is pushing it back to uh, q2 of 2024 no changes are required on your part yet because you know obviously cookies are being supported as is on your chrome browser and android but as new developments are happening new information are coming out we i will go ahead and bring those to you through this podcast Google on the SEO front has shared the reason why the uh, score, uh, core web vital score in your search console uh, is different from your page speed insights. Uh, obviously, it comes down to um, basically how they are calculated. And the main report, the main difference here in for uh, that you need to know about is the, the number that you see in core web vitals uh the Core Web Vitals in the Search Console report is basically a score that Google calculates as the user, the person visiting your website, experiences. 
right? So if I am browsing marketandgrow.com and if my, you know, net speed is slow and the experience score is different versus, you know, the page speed insight score that you get is what Google sees. So obviously there are going to be two different scores. Um, so John Mueller will, went into in-depth into this thing and explained this to uh, us, like, you know, why there are two different scores and which one we should be improving on. Obviously, we want to improve on the uh, score, that score web vitals report in the search console because that's what the user experiencing. If you want to know the details, please make sure you check out the show notes uh, on our web homepage, uh, which is marketandgrow.com. And you should see Twim Show on the top and you go to episode 119 and you will see the whole write-up on what this is all about. I am really sim- oversimplifying it and dumbing it down and just getting to the point that you need to know, which is there are two different scores. If you need to focus on one, what you need to improve on, improve on the Core Web Vitals uh, score on the, in the search console. In other news, Google wants you to replace internal HTTP links with HTTPS. So what are internal HTTP links? Say you have uploaded an image and oftentimes, you know, that image shows up as HTTP instead of HTTPS or maybe in the past you had HTTP because it wasn't, uh, HTTPS wasn't uh, over, wasn't very popular or you basically simply ignored it or some, you know, you had a you know worker who did this. You just need to update it to HTTPS. It's good for your SEO. It's good for user experience. And that's what Google's John Mueller is saying, right? And there are quite a few things you can do. Uh, the reasons being in obviously relying on redirect where you're telling your server to say, hey, any HTTP request gets rerouted to HTTPS. It just slows things down. Overall, folks, if you're listening to this, make sure you do HTTPS. It's not very difficult to go and check the URL link, especially if you're on WordPress. Uh, it's worth the trouble. It's worth the effort. With that, uh, the next update is that Google has updated the Google Search Quality Rater Guideline. Now, what is the Search Quality Rater Guideline? Basically, it's a guideline that Google publishes for you know people who work for Google or an extension of Google contractors who use this guideline to review pages and great pages, right? So not everything at Google is automated. Not everything is artificial intelligence. If it comes across, there are humans who work and who basically go through web pages um, and they grade it, they rate it, and they kind of say where it falls. Why I am covering in this show is that you want to basically know a couple of things that's very important. The two things that Google has touched on, has updated are, why it's called YMYL, your money, your life. So Google has created this category called YMYL. Uh, it was already there. They just updated the definition. It's like pages that are in the gray area, right? Pages that are, or websites that are in the gray area, websites that has the, you know, chances of sending, sending out misinformation. Google has updated that. Also, Google has updated uh, the definition of low-quality pages and what page constitutes a low-quality page. Now, obviously, you know, this is meant for, you know, people who are working for Google and rating pages. But I'm looking at it from the other way around, which is I am looking at it from the perspective of SEO. So if I had a client and if I wanted to help the client create high quality content and I wanted the client to not fall into the YMYL group, 
I would basically, knowing this information would really help them navigate that. Like, you know, one of the things that you should understand about, uh, you know, low quality pages is like, for example, if your website is talking about, say, clothes and all of a sudden you are talking about, uh, uh, let's just say, stock prices or, you know, financial advice, right? Your your website is mainly e-com. Say you talk, you sell red t-shirts and suddenly you're talking about uh, finances, then obviously Google would think that's your website is a low quality website because, um, you know, you you don't have the expertise, authority, or trust trustworthiness, which is because you know it's way outside your thing. Now, oftentimes people who think, hey, you know what, I want to write a blog on finance because people who are reading about finance, uh, my website is going to get surfaced, my blog is going to show up, and obviously I will be able to bring in new eyeballs and new people into my orbit, which is true. That's one way to see. However, if you were to do that guess what? Google thinks you are a low-quality website and chances are you won't even rank. So this is a very good information that you should know. Um, and this is actually a lot of the information that I've read actually will is going to help our clients in the future. And I will think if I can, if I should do a video on this or not, but I just, for now, you I want you to know I'm going to put the link to this report update into our show notes. Check it out if you have the time. In other news, Google Ads have said that they have, will automatically update all the contrib- uh, conversion attribution model to data-driven whenever possible. Uh, this is an auto change, nothing you have to do on your end, and I think it's a good one because I like data-driven models just because you know it gives you more insights than last click or uh, first click positions. So if you're running Google Ads, if you're eligible, Google will automatically upgrade you. But if you don't want to be upgraded, then you have till August 24 to say, hey, don't uh, upgrade me. Google Merchant uh, Center will now allow you to list uh, gated product listings. What I mean by gated product listings is like certain websites you need to log in to see the price, to see the product details, things like that, such as like Costco.com. Sometimes, you know, if you go to Costco.com, unless you sign in, you will not see the actual price, things like that. Google is saying we will not automatically disallow those kind of stuff. Uh, We just will, like, you know, we will show them on a limited basis what that basically means we do not know over obviously if you are selling something to online e-com and if it's not a membership site you definitely don't want to put your product listings product information behind a you know login screen um, whether it's whatever reason it is if you do obviously remember that it will not automatically get um, uh, deleted or it will not automatically be what is that one word? Disapproved anymore, but it's on a case by case basis. Talking about uh, product listings, Google has published six tips from e-commerce sites, and actually these tips are really good. It goes hand in hand in line with our, you know, structured data. You should definitely read our structured data blog. Uh, but some of the things you should talk, look into is title tags, high quality images. Uh, have reach product data, share price drop, identify products you sell through GTIN, which is global trade identification numbers, and make sure if you have a storefront, have a business profile. Overall, uh, this is a plethora, a wealth of good information on the show notes that you should definitely look at if you are into e-commerce or if you're helping someone with e-commerce. I cannot stress the importance of uh, going through this and basically doing the right things for your business or for your customer's business because this is very, very helpful. 
On the YouTube front, YouTube has added a new option into the YouTube app to basically slice your long-form videos into short-form videos, which is YouTube Shorts. Uh, so go ahead and update your YouTube app. Again, YouTube is pushing into Shorts, so it goes without being said. Last week we said, you know, uh, Instagram is making all videos under 15 minutes into Instagram Reels. YouTube is encouraging you to make as many Shorts as possible. With that, let's move on to the last update of this week, which is YouTube has demystified the Q&A. Some of the common questions on shorts, like in a question such as like, hey, should I mix long and short short form content on my same channel? Will YouTube recommend more long form videos if people watch my shorts? Is there a benefit to starting a separate channel for my shorts? Or how many shorts do I need to upload? Uh, How many shorts do I need to upload before algorithm recommends? my content right so let's break it down Uh, with that uh, should I mix long and short form content on the same channel and what YouTube is saying that they have done some analysis where we looked at audience growth for channels that made only long form videos and channels that made uh, long form and short videos channels that made short actually seem to be growing faster we anticipate that audience demand for short form content is here to stay and um, there is a short form content is becoming increasingly popular that's the first question the second question is will youtube recommend more long form videos if people watch my shorts and what youtube is saying viewer watching shorts aren't always the same viewers watching longer form content for this reason we separate short and long form content from watch history so when someone discovers a new channel via shorts we are not currently using that to inform what longer videos are recommended to them outside of the short experience the third question was, is there a benefit to starting a separate channel for shorts? And YouTube's answer is try to group your channels around similar audiences who enjoy the same or similar content. Separate them out when your viewers have totally different interests. If you start building up different audiences with different interests, then consider making a separate channel. Lastly, how many shorts do I need to upload before the algorithm recommends my content? Uh, YouTube says every short is given a chance to succeed no matter the channel or the number of videos on your channel. Performance of a short is dictated by whether or not people are choosing to watch and and not skip a video in the shorts feed. Uh, that audience eng- engagement is often built over time as opposed to happening instantaneously. And I will attest to that. The last one is that we have published a short video a couple of months ago with through an intern and that really took off. And prior to that, all our video fell short. Uh, fell flat on the ground. So the the answers that YouTube has given us is actually, I can say some of them are true. With that, folks, that's it for this week in marketing. Now you know everything to be in the know. Uh, Again, talk to you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.